Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was a DCE in uh, Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, uh, we were in the process of growing our Lutheran school. And so the year before I got there, they just added kindergarten. Uh, my, my first year, there, we added a first and second grade uh, class. And, and when you're a smaller school whose kids are all about the same ages, it provides some opportunities to do some kind of whole school projects at the end of the school year. So my, my first year there, one of the projects that they did was they asked each student the same question. They had them uh, write out the answer, and they made a collage of all the students answering the question. That was kind of our, the, the directory uh, kind of picture at the end of the year. And the question they asked is one that you've probably all been asked, is what do you want to be when you grow up? So all the kids, they had their little nameplate with, with uh, whatever their answer was written down. And so you have things like teacher and doctor and astronaut and NBA player and, you know, all, all these, these various things. But as you kind of glance through the collage of the whole school, there were two answers that stood out to me and to most people. One little boy, he had written, when I grow up, I want to be a human. And I wasn't sure if it's because he didn't think he was one already or if he just knew that was kind of a safe answer because all the rest, you know, that kid's probably not going to space, that person's not going to the NBA, but 20 years later at their reunion, he's going to be right still on his thing because he's probably still going to be a human. And on the flip side, uh, one of his friends wrote, when I grow up, I want to be a duck. looks like a duck, quacks like, you know, I wasn't exactly sure, uh, you know, maybe that was just his favorite animal, or, you know, someone dared him to write it, I don't know. But as I think about it, let's reflect, what was the question? Is when you grow up, what do you want to be? Those two students actually were the only ones that correctly answered the question in a statement of identity. The others... I want to be a teacher, I want to be a doctor, I want to, I want to be this, I want to, those are actually questions of what are you going to do. But in our world, what you do is the same as who you are. And so you can answer, well, what are you going to be? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to be, and then insert whatever vocation, whatever job here, because that's how our world works. What you do is the same as who you are. Which doesn't really seem like a problem until we recognize that when my identity is uh, the same as what I do, it actually causes all sorts of problems. I mean, it seems all right if things are going well, but what about when they're not? If what I do is who I am and things aren't going well at work, when they aren't going well at home, when my life is embroiled in conflict, when all I see around me is failures, if who I am is the same as what I do, then I must be the failure. I must be the problem. Uh, There must be nothing worthy or worthwhile in me because look at what I'm doing. Look at what's happening. Look at what's coming from my life. And we begin to internalize the failure that we're living out. 
and it's not just failure, it's also just, well, what about the amount of times that what we do in life changes? And the average college student changes their major two to three times. The average adult changes their career path five times. That's eight different major transitions of what am I going to do, and each of that time, if what you do is the same as who you are, now I need to figure out who I am in that transition. I preached a couple weeks ago about how transitions are vulnerable, and this is exactly why. Because we're not just figuring out, well, what am I going to do, or, or what I'm going to do is changing. It's actually, in that transition, I no longer know who I am. Am. Because I worked, you know, for 40 years in this career. You know, I was, I was a teacher, I was a doctor, I was a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, whatever it was, that was my identity for, for all this time. And now I'm retired, and it's not just what am I going to do with my time, it's who am I? How do I know I'm worthwhile if I'm not producing anything? Right? You think about the, the transition from one school to another. All of a sudden, I had this reputation built, and I moved to high school, I moved to college, and no one cares about that. No one knows about that. And so I'm not just figuring out what am I going to do with my time. I'm figuring out who am I. Transition from having kids at home. And identity is I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a mother. And all of a sudden, the kids leave. I don't know, not just what to do. I, I don't know who I am anymore because we have our identity wrapped in what we do, the people that we care for, the things uh, that, that we have on our schedule. That's how our world works. What you do is the same as who you are. And so we end up in these, these transition times of moving from, from one job to another, one, one city to another, one season of life to another. And we end up losing sight of who we are in the midst of all of those transitions. The one in particular where, where I think that this really kind of comes to a head is the transition for young people into college. Because here's the thing, if we as the church accept this, this, this is the model, this is the paradigm, what you do is the same as who you are. We are sending our young people off to college, not just to figure out what, what major, not just to figure out what career path they're going to uh, pursue. We're sending them off for the world to tell them, here's who you are. And the world has all kinds of answers to that question. Right? F find your identity in, in, in your uniqueness. Find your identity in how you fit along with the crowd. Find your identity in this group or that group, in your in individuality, in your sexuality. Find your identity in, in, in what you've achieved, in what other people say about you. Find your identity in how many followers you have on the newest social media platform. Find your identity in all of these other things, most of them which have nothing to do or actually in opposition to the Word of God. See, we cannot accept that as the church. That, that let, let's just hope, we'll send them off into the world and hope that they somehow get the right answer to the fundamental question, who are you? It's not about just about going to choose a major. I mean, again, but in there, it's identity. It's why I'm going to go major in nursing so I can go be a nurse. 
going to go major in teaching so I can go be a teacher. I'm going to go major, major in English so I can go be English. Right? But it's, it's more than just your vocation. It's actually every aspect of life. If we wander around wondering, who am I? The world is going to answer that with any number of things. Most problem that we get into as any age, but particularly, particularly our, our youth, we get, in tr- we, we get ourselves into trouble when we're trying to figure out who am I? Am I, am I valuable? Right? attention-seeking behavior comes when I need attention, I need affirmation because I don't know who I am. I don't know that I have value apart from that. And so I'm going to go join this group that is doing things that I know is not right, but at least it's somewhere to belong. I'm going to stay in this relationship, which is a really bad idea, and all my friends are telling me it's a bad idea, but I don't care because that's somewhere where I can feel like I know who I am. And the list goes on and on and on. When we don't know who we are, when we're defining ourselves by the identity of the world, when what you do is the same as who you are, we're just one mistake, one crisis, uh, one big change away from this house of cards entirely crumbling. See, what you do is not meant to be the same as who you are. Your identity, your value is never meant to be in question. And the problem is, there's so many voices out there we can listen to that answer the question, what are you going to be when you grow up? Who are you? And in the midst of all these voices, we're called to simply listen to one. Listen to one voice. The voice that in the very beginning said, let there be light. And there was light where before there had only been darkness. We're called to listen to one voice, the voice that said, Lazarus, come out. And there was life, where before there had only been death. We're called to listen to the one voice, which said, it is finished. And there was forgiveness, where before there had only been sin. We're called in the midst of, of the voices in this world, in the midst of the answers to the question, to listen only to the voice of our Savior. Because your God very clearly tells you who you are. This is how Paul shares this identity in our text from Romans chapter 8. Verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What are you going to be when you grow up? You're going to be a child of God. You're going to be a son or daughter of the King of Kings. That's who you are. You are who God says that you are. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are brought into his family in the waters of baptism. You are restored as his people, precious, honored in his sight. That's who you are. And if that's the voice I'm listening to, 
Uh, the voice of the God who created me, who redeemed me, and who will one day raise me from the dead to be with him forever. If that's the voice that I'm listening to, if that's where I find my identity, does that change when I fail? No. Does that change if I switch from this job to that job? No. Does that, that change when my life seems to be falling around me? No, I am still loved. I am still chosen. I am still forgiven no matter what. And when we know who we are, we can weather any storm that comes our way because we're standing on a foundation that is not made of sand, but that is built on the rock. See, the world says what you do is who you are. The Word of God says what He has done. That's who you are. And it's not going to change regardless of what other people are saying, regardless of what someone else does, regardless of what we do. And so if that's our identity, if that's who we are, what about the rest of this stuff? What about the people that God's put around me? See, Paul in our text tells us, don't, don't walk by the spirit of, of the flesh, the spirit of the world. No, but instead walk by the spirit of God. We are meant to, to walk in step with what God has called us to do. And the, the fancy word that we use for it in the church is vocation. It's actually one of the, the main doctrines in the Reformation that was kind of brought back by uh, the first Lutherans in their teaching. This idea that uh, my vocation, the people God has put around me, that that matters. It doesn't save me. No, that's done in Christ alone. It doesn't give me my identity. That's through the word of God alone. It doesn't give me my value. That's given to me through the cross of Jesus Christ. But my vocations, what I do, matters. So as we think about vocations, think about what are the various roles that you have. Right? For me, I have vocation as husband, as father, pastor, neighbor, friend, citizen, son, a brother. All of us have these various roles, these various vocations that we have. And yet, instead of finding our, our identity, finding our value, finding our meaning in those, our, our vocations are actually meant to flow from our identity. That since I am a chosen child of God, since I am forgiven, since I am loved, how does that impact how I raise my kids? How does that impact how I interact with my neighbor? How does that impact how I live within God's church? See, vocation comes from identity. We don't find our identity in our vocations. Uh, let me uh, illustrate uh, this for us in a quick little diagram here. I'm kind of a visual learner. And so we have identity is given to us. That's the who you are. Any, the, the statements of, of, of being. Right, I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. That comes from God. That is given to you. It doesn't change depending on the season, depending on how things are going. Our identity is secure in Christ. And from that flows these various vocations. What are you going to do? And when we understand this, it's a pretty simple concept, but when we understand it, the impact it makes is profound. 
So when I'm dealing with failure, when things aren't going well at work or at home, when I'm dealing with conflict, I'm I'm, uh, struggling in various ways. My vocations seem to be pretty rocky. What is my identity? Still loved. Unconditionally. I'm still forgiven. I'm still belonging in the family of God. Not defined by my failure. I'm defined by Christ's righteousness. And that leads us then into confession and repentance for however I've contributed to that failing and brokenness. It also leaves us to then receive the identity that God has given us, not defined by our failures, defined by His victory. Those vulnerable times of transition become a lot easier for us to navigate. Because when I'm at this school or that school, I'm still going to be the same person. I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to be forgiven. I'm going to be loved. Even if other people don't know me, even if I have to kind of restart my reputation, even if whatever I do is going to change, I'm still going to be who God has created me to be. If I'm transitioning from the workforce to, to retirement, I might have to change questions of my vocation. What am I going to do? But who am I going to be? Where my value comes from doesn't change, even if uh, what I do uh, during the day is different. When we move from being at home uh, to being in in a facility where I'm cared for, oftentimes I can't produce anything. All I'm doing is a burden to others. But even though our vocation has changed from caregiver to care receiver, does that impact our value? Does that impact our identity? Does that impact who we are? No. Because our identity is not based on how much we produce. It's not based on, on our vocations. How well we're doing our identity comes from Christ. So we can navigate these difficult transitions of life knowing that who I am is not impacted by whatever that next choice, that next decision is. Whether we switch in the next sports season and our team wins the championship, or whether I'm you know, warming the bench for the entire time, I am still a child of God. I am still loved. I am still valuable. See, it's a simple concept, but it makes a world of difference. Knowing who you are and knowing that what you do can actually make a difference. It also helps us in terms of these decisions when we have choices in front of us in terms of what are we supposed to do. I mean, think of the amount of time we spend just worrying and stressing over, I've got these two options in front of me and I don't know which one to pick. And so people sometimes, you know, they'll be flipping through their Bible and they'll be like, Pastor, I've got it narrowed down to two college choices. Which one does God want me to go to? And I say, Concordia University in Nebraska, of course. And I say, all right, you've got it narrowed down to two choices. Are, are, are they both, you know, God-pleasing? Uh, are, 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 they, are they both within the bounds of who we're supposed to uh, be as Christians? Well, yeah. Pick one. And then that's the one God wants you to go to. Again, there's no verse that says here, pick this college, pick this job, move to this city. There's a lot of verses that say, here's who you're supposed to be when you get there. Pick one and then go be my child, go be my witness, go be a person who is sharing the message of the gospel. Don't 
spend all our lives stressing on over, well, God can only use me in one. No, God's created you so that you can be his child wherever it is that you choose, whether it's this college or that college, whether you're in then this relationship or that relationship, right? Whether uh, you, you're in this city or that city, you're taking care of this person or you're being taken care of. God gives us this tremendous amount of freedom when we know who we are, when we know where our value comes from, when we know what we do makes a difference, not for our identity, but it makes a difference to love the people around us. It brings a tremendous amount of joy, of freedom, as we look at our lives and see the opportunities we have to serve. You see, I think oftentimes... What we spend most of our life worrying about, what we spend most of our time investing in our kids in, is vocation. You know, I've got to make sure my, my kids can get, get the right grades. That's vocation stuff. I need to make sure they succeed in their sports. That's vocation stuff. I want them to, to you know, practice their music so that it sounds better than whatever racket they're pre- playing right now. That's vocation stuff. We spend so much of our time in our kids, our grandkids, the next generation, and it's all focused on vocation. And the reality is... Almost all that is going to change. They're going to pick different majors. They're going to stop playing the instrument. They're going to eventually realize, I can't play that sport like I used to. Not that we don't invest in vocation because they do matter. But the first and foremost primary job of the church is to give the answer to the main question, who are you? The answer that the world can't possibly give. See, because as church, we don't want any of our young people going off to high school, going off to college, going off to the workforce, and wondering, who am I? Because your identity comes from Christ. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are his child. You are his witness. You are brought into his family, his church. That's who you are. And it's our job as the church to hold on to that answer Hold on to that identity for our young people until they can hold on to it for themselves. So I urge you, as we think about the next generation, whether it's your kids, grandkids, neighbors, nieces, nephews, whoever it is, don't just think about vocation. Don't just think about getting from one practice to another, getting this assignment done and that assignment done. Think also about the thing that's not going to change, the thing that actually lasts and counts is identity. And our, our new uh, director of discipleship, Barry Pfeiffer, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know him the last couple of years, uh, partially because he gets this. Uh, when he talks about youth ministry here at Zion, he says, I want all our kids to know who they are, that they are a beloved, baptized child of God, identity, because that is the role of the church. And so if you have people in your life that are in that age range, this is the place to be. Because this is what we are all about. is when we know who we are, that then equips us, as our vocations change, to be able to live out this beautiful, joyful picture to the world. Jesus in John 10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is that abundant life. In knowing who I am, and then joyfully serving in various ways the people that God has put around me. That's the life you've been given today and always. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home.
Amen.